Well, good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Phil, uh, once again coming to you from uh, Cedar Creek, Texas, and, and our church, New Life in Christ. Um, and uh, I have some announcements before we get into the service today. So, uh, as always, I want to announce our website is nliccedarcreek.org. On there, you can find links to our YouTube page, which please subscribe and uh, if you haven't already. And then we also uh, have links to our Facebook page there. And if you like that Facebook page, that'll help us to reach people online. Um, and then, uh, uh, which of course is the point, Great Commission, you know, reach as many people as you can, as many ways as you can. We have three ways to give now. Uh, the first way is uh, text to give, which the number will be up on the screen. Um, and then also you can click on the link in this video description underneath this video um, and find our Faith Life uh, page there. And then you can also uh, give by mail, which the... Um, uh, mailing address for the church will be up there on the screen. Uh, we also have the announcement to make that ongoing announcement that in the coming weeks we hope to uh, begin to do these services live uh, so that those of you who join us online will actually be uh, joining in with the people who come to the service uh, in person. Um, and of course that will mean for you that uh, that's the biggest change will be that it, the, the service will no longer be posted at 9 a.m., but it will be posted at 10.30 a.m., which is when we do our live, pers our live service. Uh, we would do it earlier, but we have no way to, <laughs> we have no way to shoot something live uh, an hour and a half before we actually do it. So uh, apologies if that's inconvenient, uh, but uh, it will be, I think, worth the wait uh, to be able to join in with people live. I think it'll be awesome. So uh, uh, that being said, if you have prayer requests, please send us. Uh, your prayer requests, and uh, you can, we have multiple ways to do that through Facebook or uh, through calling or, or, or however is convenient for you, um, and we will be sure to get to that. And speaking of prayer, let's go ahead and pray and get into worship. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. The word says that your glory will fill the whole earth. Your glory is that expression of your excellence, Lord, your goodness. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that we have clothes on our back and food on our table and a roof over our head. And for those that, that, if there are people watching this that don't have that, I pray that you provide those things for them, Lord, so that you, they can taste and see that you are good. I pray, Father God, for uh, those of us who need a healing in our body. I pray that uh, that uh, you'd provide that, that for finances or jobs or uh, favor with employers. Anything that is needed, Lord, I ask that you provide it in such a way that everyone remembers that it is you, that you are showing us your goodness. And as we get ready to worship you, Father, I pray you help us to set our heart on you. Um, I prepare my heart to set my love upon you, Lord, as the word said in Psalm 91, because, we have, we, because he has set his love upon me, you said. So I set my love upon you, Father, and I make you the focus. I make you the important part. And I thank you, Father, and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank God. So let's, uh, let's begin to worship him. Amen. See how the flowers bloom for you. 
they want to show you their beauty, Lord. Running waters dance, you and I romance, and unto you be all the glory, unto you be all the glory, unto the flowers bloom for you. They want to show you their beauty, Lord. Running waters dance, you and I romance. And unto you be all the glory. Unto about you. Open up the heavens, Lord, and let your kingdom come to earth. My praises all surround you. My soul can't dance without you. Open up the heavens, Lord, and let your kingdom come to earth. Angel, the angels dance around you. The earth, it sings about you. Open up the heavens, Lord, and let your kingdom come to earth. My praises all surround you. My soul can't dance without you. Open up the heavens, Lord, and let your kingdom come to earth. And unto you be all the glory. Unto you be
You are my God. You are. 
Lord, Lord, I lift up to you everything that is going on in this nation now and across the earth. Because many see it, Lord, and many grow concerned. And many have said in their heart, what is, what is this that is happening? Yet your plan, Father, has not changed. And your call on every life has not changed. You desire that your people desire more of you. You desire that your people decide to be serious about you and about what you have said needs to happen in this earth. So I lift up leaders and all who are in authority, as the word said to do, and I pray that you give them wisdom. Those of them who are not acting in line with your will, I pray that you send people across their path to speak truth into their life. And I pray that you prepare their heart to hear what it is the Spirit is saying. Because you said in your word, many will come from north, south, east, and west and sit in the kingdom. And we, Lord, as people who have accepted Christ, we want to see that happen, and we want to see it happen in greater measure. So give us the words. Give us the ability. And give us the direction, please, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everything, Lord, everything in our lives should bring us back to you. When we go through a trial, when we go through a storm, it should bring us to our knees. It should bring us to that place at your feet. where we recognize that more of you is the answer. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you, the more I seek you, the more I find The more I find you, the more. 
Just lean back against him and breathe there, like the words, like the song said. God is everywhere. You can lean back against him anytime. If you don't know how to do that, just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm leaning back against you now. You could actually physically lean back a little bit just as a, just as a visualization for you. by his peace. Just lay it down. God wants us to lay our burdens down. Let that tension in your shoulders, tension in your back, give that to him. Give the cause of it to him. Give the, give the worry and the anxiety to him. He doesn't want us to worry. It doesn't do us any good anyway. I can't change anything by worrying. Let's sing through that again. Let's sing through that verse again. Let's ready our heart to sing that again. To you, Lord. The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love. sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand, and I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming Jesus Lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock. Oh, Jesus, 
You've taken me from the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock, and I know I love you. I'll never let you go My Savior My closest friend I will worship you Until the very end Jesus Lover of my soul Jesus will never let you go you've taken me from the miry clay set my feet upon the rock and I know I love you I need you though my world may fall let you go, my Savior, my closest friend. I will worship you until the very end. Oh, I love you. I need you. And though my world may fall, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to let you go. No matter how many trials we go through on the earth. In the New Testament, it says, why? Why are you surprised by all the trials you're going through? But no matter how many trials, Lord, I've decided I will not let you go. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for your for your help, Lord, as I get ready to bring forth this word. And I believe you told me to speak out. I ask for your words, not mine. Help us to understand. And I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Testing, one, two, is this, we're good? Good good level? Praise God. Whew, okay. So, um, 
title of today's message is Eschatology with the Heart. Eschatology with the Heart. And uh, if you're anything like me, when you if you've just heard that word for the first time, I thought, what in the world does that mean? The word eschatology, all that means is the study of the end times. So, if whether you knew what that word meant or not, for the last few weeks, if you've been tuning in with us, then you have been uh, getting involved in eschatology. We have been studying the end times together. So, uh, didn't know you were so fancy, did you? So, um, in the Greek, that word eschatology literally means the study of last things or final things. And, uh, you know, we are obviously still talking about the last the or the in, the last days or the end times and you know we we understand that if we're to interpret it the way the bible has said then we have been in the end times ever since jesus rose from the dead um and uh but many of us are believe, we believe that the last days the end the end of the end days the end um the last of the last days as some like to call it is fast approaching and uh, that's not bad news. By by any means, it's not bad news at all. You know, for people out in the world who don't understand these things, a lot of them get very nervous and fearful. You know, uh, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of that fear has crept into the church, and people are afraid. And um, that's why we're bringing this up because we want to. We don't want people to be in fear. First of all, because God, throughout his word, says, do not be afraid. Jesus, when he was talking about the end times, said, don't let your heart be troubled by these things. Okay, so if you have been keeping up with what's going on in the world, then it's evident that we are in the end times or the last, the last days. At least we believe that to be the case. Let's go ahead and, and open our Bible to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. a little bit further to go here. Revelation 1, verse 1. Now, uh, this is not going to be a deep study on Revelation. You know, we're not, we're not going to go through chapter and verse. Um, what we're trying to accomplish today really is, first of all, to, you know, to continue putting away some old fears and misconceptions about what people have had about, about this subject. You know, and, uh, you know, I thought it was, uh, I didn't plan it this way, but it's, it's relevant that the songs that we sing have a lot to do with God's love. And uh, it's important to understand that the wor- when the word talks about God's love, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. So instead of fighting with fear, lean into God's love, set your love on him, and the f- that'll take care of the fear problem. The love itself will cast out fear. Okay. Um, but the other thing that we want to accomplish through this uh, kind of over, not really an overview, but what I want to do is is establish some principles because we've spent a lot of time talking about the end times uh, but uh, we've just been kind of talking about these things in general and we haven't spent a lot of time in Revelation itself and as you study the book of Revelation out for yourself I want to equip you with the principles that you need to to rightly discern it Um, and it really has to, you know, that how, how, you know, how do I do this? Because if we just, we could go, we could interpret just a passage, but that's not going to help you interpret the rest of it. See what I'm saying? So Jesus, if you go back and you read what Jesus taught, Jesus didn't teach 
formulas. He taught principles. If I give you a formula and I say, this is how we, this is how we decipher this chapter, I haven't taught you how to look at the rest of the chapters. I've only given you a formula that will only work in this chapter. But if I give you the principles, then you can go and you can read the rest yourself. Okay, so let's go ahead and just start with verse 1, and we're, only gonna, we're not going to read past verse 1. We're going we're gonna to camp on verse 1 for a while. That's just fair warning to you. Revelation 1, or chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Now, on the face of it, it may not seem like there's much to consider to verse 1, or in verse 1. But there really is a lot to think about here. Uh, You know, and and the reason I bring that up is because I, 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 in the past, have been one to want to just kind of start a book and get past the intro. It's like, let's get past all this introductory stuff. Let's dispense with these pleasantries and get to the meat. Let's get in here and see what this is talking about. But, uh, you know, uh, that, that doesn't, that, I've, I've learned through, through experience that that doesn't work so well. And I was always that kid in school that, that whenever assignment was given, I didn't want to actually read the directions. I want, oh, I'll, just, I'll just get into it and I'll just figure it out as I go. Yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't work out so well. And, uh, you know, we, a lot of us have this tendency to just kind of want to skim over the beginning and get, get into it, you know. And it's like, well, why, why is that? All right, you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why I want to get past this, but let's just skip past this beginning stuff and get to the point. And because I was stubborn, it took many years for God to show me that there's hidden value in stopping to consider the introduction to stopping to consider the directions, okay? And it's important then to realize that spiritual things are a lot like natural things. So that hidden value in considering the directions in the natural or the physical will transfer over into considering the introduction, the directions in the spiritual, in spiritual things. Because this verse we just read, what this verse contained in this one verse that we just read, it tells us what this book is, it tells us what it's for, it tells us who it's written to, and it tells us how it has been presented, which then also will tell us uh, what, what, what way we are to study it, in what fashion we are to study it. All that in one verse. That means that we could spend the entire service just on this one verse. Don't worry, we're not going to do that, but we're going to camp here for a little while. Because I feel in my heart that what God wants to get over to us, again, is some principles to searching out the meaning. Because people, people have spent years saying, what is the meaning of this last book in the Bible? What, I, I read it, I read it, but, but I'm seeing symbols everywhere, but what does it mean? So if we follow the principles God has given us already in the word to search out the meaning, we will find the meaning. Maybe not completely, but enough to please God. Okay. So first of all, notice that what this book is, 
is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So then it's important to understand, see, because a revelation, what is it? A revelation is a revealing of something. You know, like if I, if I had, a, a, say, a brand new model of car, and, I, and it was covered in the canvas, and I'm, I'm kind of giving this introduction, and the whole time it's covered in this canvas, you're going to be like, I, I, I want to know. I want to know what's under it. I, w- I want to see what's under the canvas. And at that moment when I say, I want to present this to you, and I pull the canvas off, it's been revealed. This book is the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ and his glory. So it's important to understand then that this entire book, Jesus is the main character. He is the point. He is the, he is the focal point of this book. So whenever we read the book of Revelation, we need to understand Jesus is the point of this. The revealing of Jesus to us. The Antichrist is not the main character. The Mark of the Beast is not the main subject. Have you ever heard people who teach on this subject that focus in on the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast? And we've, we've been talking about this. We've mentioned it several times during this, this, this ongoing discussion we've had about the end time. The people who teach on this and they want to focus on that, they have neglected the main character. They have neglected the main point. We are Christians. We're supposed to focus on Christ. The next line says that God gave it to Jesus to show his servants. Who are his servants? We're, if you've said out loud that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are serving him. Therefore, God gave this book He gave this revelation to Jesus to show you, to show me. If you remember in the beginning of Acts, the disciples asked Jesus, and this is, here's a side note, but this is important to note. If you remember the book of Acts, the disciples asked Jesus, when are you going to, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? We talked about the two kingdoms. We We talked about that. And Jesus told them, it's not for you to know times and seasons as the Father has put into his own authority. So we know right off the bat that God has not revealed all things to us in here. But in this first verse of Revelation, we see that God has entrusted Jesus to show things that must shortly take place in the earth. Not all things, but things. So we understand that God has revealed then what is relevant to us now. This is what we need to know. I also want you to notice that Jesus is showing these things to his servants again, okay? How many of us belong to Jesus and serve him? That means that you are qualified to receive this revelation. You're already qualified. You don't need to be afraid of the book of Revelation, and you don't need a person with a lot of fancy degrees to explain it to you. The book, this book is scripture. It's written to the saints, So then if this book is scripture, then that means it is spiritually discerned. If you have a bookmark, leave it here. 
And turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Helps to go the right way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, I'm going to read this out of the NLT. Almost forgot. Just because the NLT, there's, it's a, Paul brings out some things that are sometimes hard to understand, and so it sometimes helps to read it in the NLT, which is designed to be read out loud. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, these principles, again, that we're talking about here, about how to discern these things, is some of them overlap. So it might take a little while for them to come together for us to um, see it. And uh, this here, what uh, Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 2, will explain to us why God presented revelation to us in the way that he did. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look down at verse 7. It says, No, the wisdom we speak is of the mystery of God. This is written to the church, so he's talking about the wisdom that we speak as the church. The wisdom we speak is of, or speak of, excuse me, is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Okay, so he made this plan for our glory. Now, you understand uh, other parts of the scripture talks about how we share Jesus' glory with him. We share in his suffering. We also share in his glory. And uh, I mentioned earlier, glory is the expression of God's excellence, his power, his goodness, everything that he is. So then uh, this glory it, it, that he's talking about, it, it has been, um, this plan was made for our ultimate glory before the world even began. Okay, and it's his plan that is hidden but is revealed to us in the book of Revelation and all throughout Scripture. We, we understand it. We can discern it, believers, people who have accepted Christ. Verse 8 says, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So in verse 9, there's some prophecy given here concerning present and future things that God has made ready for us. And too many Christians stop right there in, in natural thinking, and they say, well, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, so we don't know. We don't know what God's prepared for us. But verse 10 says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. How are, these, how are God's promises revealed to us? His sons and daughters in Christ. By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Huh. So it's because of the Holy Spirit that we've received, that we can know and understand. I shouldn't say that we've received. It's because of the Holy Spirit who we have received that we can know and understand what God's given us and also keeps ready for us the things as the Amplified 
puts it, pardon me. And you know, uh, if, if you go back and you read where Jesus spoke John in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus talks about the things that the Holy Spirit does for us. You know, one of the things, he, 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 te- he said, he'll teach you all things. He said, he will bring everything that I said to your remembrance. He said, he will guide you into all truth. And he said, he will show you things to come. So we see the Holy Spirit helps us understand what God has made available to us now, things that we can ask him for and expect to receive based on the fact that we know it's his will. That includes healing, provision, protection, peace, every other spiritual blessing. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. But then also, he said he will show you things to come. God, is, God also gave us revelation of things which must shortly play, take place here, okay, in the book of Revelation. And then also remember the Holy Spirit himself will show us things to come. So as we read the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit will begin to shed light on what is written in it. Help us to understand what it's saying. He'll help us progressively gain understanding of it and become better acquainted with it. All right, let's look at verse 13. I went ahead and closed it, shouldn't have done that. 1 Corinthians, still in chapter 2. Verse 13 says, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain Spiritual truths. The New King James Version says comparing spiritual with spiritual. Spiritual things can't be discerned by natural thinking. They can only be discerned by the spirit, by, uh, by the heart of a person who has accepted Christ. Remember, because he said we use, we speak wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, and you know, you remember how uh, you know, we, we've looked at two scriptures already, where, or we've talked about two scriptures where Jesus said that uh, it's not for us to know times and seasons the Father's put into his authority. Uh, at the, by the same token, Revelation 1.1 told us that God gave Jesus a revelation to show his servants. That's an example of comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We can, both of those scriptures are spiritual. We can say, we can compare them together. We can, we can hold them up together and, and, and concer- I mean, uh, discern there scripture interprets scripture verse 14 he says but people who aren't spiritual are not spiritual can't receive these truths from god's spirit it all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means So it's very clear here that that the things of God or things pertaining to God are discerned by our spirit, by our heart, with the help of the Holy Spirit whom we have received. The natural man, unsaved people, reason things out only with their mind. And so things of God don't don't compute with them unless unless God is, is getting something over to them, helping them to get in, helping them you know, he, maybe he's, uh, he's, he's nudging their heart. And there's a little bit of understanding kind of flickering on and off there. 
That's why we pray for unsaved people the way we do. We pray that, uh, you know, we take authority over it. Because the Bible says that uh, Satan, the god of this world, little g, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. We say, in Jesus' name, you, you stop blinding that person's mind so that they can understand. We ask God to prepare their heart to understand the things that we speak to them. Get them ready to understand it. And we ask him to send people across their paths that can confirm what we've spoken to them. Because that's, really, that's what really gets people's attention. I can't tell you how many times I've mentioned something to somebody and they say, it's funny that you said that because this happened the other day. And I'm like, that's not a coincidence. God's preparing your heart. And the only reason that he brought you across my path is because I know something that you need to know. Amen. But this is, this is why the title of, of this message is Eschatology with the Heart. It's the study of final things with the heart. Or the spirit, if you will. They're, they're one and the same. Because we're not supposed to seek out spiritual meaning with our mind. We're not, and, and certainly not the book of Revelation. We're not supposed to try to, to figure, figure it out what it means with our human reasoning. You remember Proverbs 3, 5? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because these things are spiritually discerned. They are understood with the heart. And we trust in the Lord with our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And he will give us understanding. The word said in, in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Daniel, it talks about how Daniel set his heart to understand. You can set your heart to understand this. It's not a, it's not a mental exercise. And, you know, if you've watched uh, documentaries on the end times or you've read books about the end times, you know, and there's a lot of them you'll notice that most of them don't agree with each other about a lot of details. That means then that the vast majority of them are wrong. Because how many ways can this thing play out? We've got dozens and dozens of theories, but in the end it can only happen in one way, can't it? That's why I'm telling you, don't over-intellectualize this. You remember in the Gospels, right before and, and after Jesus was born, there were many things being said about him, prophecies about what he would become, what he would do. And the Bible tells us that Mary kept all these things in her heart. She thought about them often in her heart. She didn't just tell anyone what she thought about what was being said. Mary was a wise woman. Now, let's take a lesson about the purpose of prophecy from Jesus. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Gospel of John. It's important to know why God shows us things to come. Okay? Otherwise, if we don't understand why God shows us things to come, we'll try to make up our own reason why he shows us things to come. So then we're off running one direction while God's trying to get us to go a different direction. 
Now, this is Jesus speaking in John 13. He's telling the disciples that he is about to be betrayed. Okay, this is, and this is old news to us, that he's about to be betrayed. We're like, okay, yeah, we know Jesus was betrayed. The disciples didn't know that he was about to be betrayed. Okay, hadn't happened yet. Verse, or chapter 13, look down at verse 18 with me. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now, before it comes, excuse me, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Okay, look, look at verse 19 in the next chapter, John 14. Look down at verse 19. He says, this is still Jesus, he says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Okay, now stay here. Just look down at verse 28 in the same chapter. Verse 28. He says, You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. So then, when a prophecy about Jesus that we have kept in our heart comes to pass, it should reaffirm our belief in who he is. The purpose of prophecy its purpose. The reason that God tells us what's going to happen is so that when we see it happen, we will believe. We, we can already believe, but each, each time we see it happen, that will just strengthen our belief. That's the purpose of prophecy. It's not so that we can look ahead and try to figure out some way to, to oh, this is going to happen. How are we going to avoid this? It's not what it's for. It's so that when you see it happen, you may believe. God wants you to avoid it. He'll give you a way if you're paying attention. Amen? Now again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he is the main character, focus of the book. So when you get to the part about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and his false prophet, don't let your heart be troubled. and Don't let it be afraid. Don't lose focus on who the focus should be on. Remember, the devil's a defeated foe. Nowhere in the book of Revelation does it say that we lose the authority Jesus gave us in the earth. The principalities and the powers that we wrestle against have no dominion over us. But Jesus told us in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And I want to read 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5 for you out of the Amplified. So we'll have a clear understanding of what Jesus was talking about when he said that. When he said, I've given you authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. This is what he meant. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says these words. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical Weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds, inasmuch as we refute arguments and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought 
away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. We don't have authority over physical things on the earth. We have authority over spiritual things. So while things will get hard for the church during the end times, we know that the church is still victorious through it all. So don't let people waste your time trying to predict the day of Christ's return or who the Antichrist is. And if you hear someone teaching on this subject and their teaching spreads fear and doubting, that is a teacher who has missed the point of why end time prophecy was given. All right, if you still happen to have that bookmark at the beginning of Revelation, let's flip back over there. I have an announcement I need to make at the end. I need to remember... Too many Christians out there are living in fear of these things. I received a, uh, a text from a, a local prayer leader, uh, intercessor, you know, around here. And she, uh, she had a dream that there were groups of people out in front of churches. And, and God told her they need to repent of fear. They, well, she said they need to repent. She said of what? He said of fear. And she said in the dream, she started talking to people in these groups and saying, do you feel that you need to repent of fear? And they said, yes. See, it, it's fear of, of all the stuff that's going around, fear of, of COVID, fear of losing our job, fear of, of instability, fear of unrest in the nation and things like, of that nature. These things can, can, should concern us. There's a difference between being concerned and being in fear. If I have a concern... That means I can go to God and say, Lord, I'm concerned about this, but I know there's a solution. And I can begin to pray. But if I'm in fear, I'm immobilized. So yeah, fear, if, something, if we've been living in fear, we do need to repent of that. We need, and that just means turning away from that and saying, Lord, I was wrong to be in fear. But I'm going to start to intercede and pray for people. And I won't be afraid to step out and speak to somebody if you tell me to. Because if God tells us to, there's no reason to be in fear. Yeah. Now here, back in the first verse of Revelation, we already talked about what this book is, what it's for, and who it's written to. Now let's look at how it is presented to us. Let's read this verse again. And this is where we get a little technical, but bear with me. Lord, give us understanding. Let's read this again. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Now that word signified is important. I looked up the, the definition of that word, and it really it blew my mind. Okay, the definition of it from Collins' English Dictionary. It, it, it signified means the meaning of, expressed by a sign rather than the physical form it is expressed in. A sign stands as a symbol for something else. Like a, a good a visual example of that is when we take communion. You know, we've got the little cup of juice that represents Jesus' blood. It's not Jesus' blood. It just represents, it stands as a symbol. We've got the little wafer that represents his body. Just a symbol just stands for something else. This book, the book of Revelation, is a book full of symbols for other things. 
because it signified. You remember when the Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign from heaven to prove his authority? Jesus said, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning you say, tomorrow it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. And then he told him, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. In other words, you should already know who I am by recognizing the signs of the times because you, you should be reading the scriptures. You should have the scriptures in your heart. In another place, Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. See, Jesus expects us to keep these things in our heart and recognize when they come. When they come to pass, so that our faith in him will be reaffirmed and strengthened. It doesn't, I don't need to understand it right away to put it in my heart. Mary didn't fully understand the prophecies that were being spoken about Jesus, but it says she kept these things in her heart. You know, uh, Lee Strobel, who was a former skeptic of Christianity, he became a Christian after looking into the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus said, these, these, these point to me. So he, so he actually looked it up, and he stopped being a critic and accepted Christ after he saw that 48 of those prophecies had been fulfilled, come to pass. Actually, there's a lot more prophecies that have been fulfilled than for that. I believe it's something like 333 prophecies about Jesus. Most of them had been fulfilled with his coming and then his death and burial and resurrection. The rest of them will be fulfilled when he returns. Okay, you can read more about that. Lee Strobel writes about it. Evidence that demands a verdict is one of his books. Another one's The Skeptic Surprise. You can look those up. Anyway, let's not get off on that. So we, so we understand then that Jesus sent revelation to us. Okay, and that it is a book of symbols that stands for something else. That's how he chose to reveal it. He chose to reveal his plan through symbols. That means that people who don't, uh, who don't uh, know how to discern these things with the heart have a hard time with this, understanding this. Okay. And, you know, I'll give an example. Obviously, the beast, okay, or the Antichrist is not a literal beast. He's a man. It's, it, the beast is a symbol for that man. Okay? And this means then that if you're ever going to do a, a thorough study of Revelation or, or on other, other end-time prophecy throughout the Bible, you should have a good concordance next to you so that you can look up what, what symbols God has used in other parts of Scripture to help you understand. Because God has already given lots of symbols in other parts of the Scripture that will help us to understand some of the things in Revelation. Okay, let's go over uh, an example of that before we get ready to close. Because, again, we're not teaching in depth, but I do want to give an example of how to do this because we want to give you this principle of how to discern. So I'm, I'm going to, um, what I'm doing is I'm going to leave the vast majority of the study of Revelation to you. You know, I mean, we'll look at it from time to time, but um, this is for you to read. And I'll, I'll stress that again before we we get ready to close. But turn with me in the same book to chapter 6. We're in Revelation. Turn over to Revelation chapter 6. Um, verse 1. 
says, uh, this is John, he's talking about what Jesus is revealing to him. He says, now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, have you ever heard anyone teach that the rider on the white horse is the Antichrist? That's been a popular teaching. But that should, that should bring up a red flag with us because the horse is white. That's a symbol. God, God uses white uh, to symbolize a specific thing. Nowhere in the Bible does God use white to symbolize anything evil. White always symbolizes the characteristics of God himself, including holiness, purity, peace, righteousness. In Isaiah 118, God says, Though our sins are as scarlet, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. In Matthew 17, Jesus was transfigured on a mountain while the disciples watched, and it says his clothes became as white as the light. The angels that appeared to Mary Magdalene, or in Matthew, excuse me, when they appeared to her, they, they appeared to her and they were all dressed in white. Here in Revelation 3, 4, even, Jesus said that the saints who don't fall into sin will walk with him in white. Next, the horse, okay? In, in, in Scripture, see, because we, we said white is, represents the characteristics of God. Now, the horse. In Scripture, horses represent strength, specifically strength in battle and strength in warfare. Notice that the, that the, the rider went out conquering and to conquer, Okay? Usually in Scripture, it represents a uh, horse represents strength in a negative sense, but not always. Not always. What it, what it really has to do with is what type of strength is being represented, because there's more than one kind of strength. In this case, because the horse is white, this would represent that its strength in righteousness or purity. Now, uh, just we'll just take a minute and look at the bow. Okay, the bow. A bow in the Old Testament represents a covenant. Okay? And a crown, of course, represents kingship. So let's, let's go ahead and, and look at this a little bit more in detail. Turn with me over to uh, chapter 19. We're in Revelation still. Revelation 19. Look down at verse 11 with me. It says, Now I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Okay, so who is this, who is this uh, word of God? It, it, in, in John chapter 1, it says, The word became flesh, dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. His robe has been dipped in blood. It's his, it's, it's his, it's his blood that cleanses us and makes us clean. Takes away our sins. 
So then we see here Jesus on a white horse. So how can, I don't know how people can consider the conqueror we read about in, in, in chapter 6 to be the Antichrist. Really don't see how they could do that. Doesn't make much sense to me. But this also shows us, and here's something to keep in mind. This shows, because we read about that in chapter 6. Now we're reading about this in chapter 9. It goes to show us that the book of Revelation is not necessarily given in chronological order. So people who try to figure out this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen. That's just, that's just human reasoning. We're not supposed to try to figure out when it's going to happen. We're supposed to know it's going to happen. And we're supposed to keep these things in our heart. All right. Turn with me to Psalm 45. Because I'm going to give an example out of Old Testament symbolism to help us in the new. Psalm 45, totally zoned out for a second there. Give me Psalm 45. <clears throat> so here's this, this is an example we're going to look at uh, of how a principle that we can use, uh, how to, to um, understand Revelation. We need to remember to keep these things in our heart again, without, without, um, without trying to reason it out in our mind, without trying to figure out piece by piece when is this going to happen, because we have other work to do. We have a great commission Jesus has given us to do. That needs to be our focus. Okay. Psalm 45, verse 1. I love this. He says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one. With your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty, ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Okay, so now there's some things here that we can see. This is clearly talking about Jesus. This is, this is written before Jesus was ever born. Okay, now there's some interesting things here. Now, if, if you go back, you think back and, and you remember that in Revelation 6, it said that the conqueror was given a bow, the one of the white heart, but he, was not, he didn't have any arrows. Okay, Jesus, when he, it, it, now, now, arrows in the Old Testament symbolize people. The book of Psalms says, says that blessed is, is the man who's, who has many children. Blessed, blessed is, is, him, is he who, whose quiver is full of them. Quiver holds arrows. His quiver is full of children, arrows. Okay, so it's interesting that it says your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. Now, it, that, that may sound kind of violent, but what it's talking about is when we speak to people about Jesus, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would convict people. And he talked about the parable of the sower. Whenever the word is sown into a person, it's sown into their heart. So when we speak to people about what this says, okay, it's, it, 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 it's planted in their heart, and the Holy Spirit is, is convicting them. Yes, this is true. Yes, you have sinned, and yes, you need Jesus. I think about it. The arrows are sharp in their heart because it, it hurts 
it hurts to realize that, yes, I've been wrong all my life. I've sinned, and I need Jesus. It hurts to have to admit that. Okay? So, I mean, this, this is just God has woven this together so beautifully. You, you have the, 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 the conqueror, he, he, Jesus, given a crown, given a bow, given a covenant to take into the earth with him. He's got no arrows with him. He's got no, he's got no people with him when he comes. He comes by himself. But he establishes his covenant, and people believe in him, and now he has arrows. You read over in Revelation 19, the armies of heaven are accompanying him because now he has people that have accepted his covenant. Amen. So this is just an example. This is just to give you some principles to go by. The most important thing is just like all scripture, these, these end times prophecies, these are spiritually discerned. Discerned with the heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And as I close here, I want to quote one more verse from Revelation 22, 7. Because this is, this, this was where Jesus gives us, he, this is where he gives us instructions, again, partly how to, to read the book of Revelation. Why are, we, why are we studying the book of Revelation? So Jesus said in Revelation 22, 7, he said, And behold, I am coming speedily. Blessed, happy, and to be envied is he who observes and lays to heart and keeps the truths of the prophecy, the predictions, consolations, and warnings contained in this little book. It's not just warnings that are contained in the book of Revelation. There's also consolations. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray, and then I have an announcement I need to make. Lord, teach us to be more effective at discerning your word with our heart teach us help us to store your word in our heart and to go over it in our heart and to talk to you about it and say lord your word said this help me understand what it said i pray father god for a continued spiritual work going out in the earth i pray that for the work already going on in the earth the missionaries and other people on the earth who are doing things who are speaking to people about jesus and providing relief to places with disasters and being a shining witness for you in the earth, I pray, Lord, you give them great success. And I pray, Father God, you show us how you want us to help in the work. I pray that you bless everyone who tunes in here. And I, and I thank you, Father, and I praise you and love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before I go, I have a, I have a very quick announcement. Uh, next week is the fifth Sunday of August, um, which whenever we have a fifth Sunday, we do all worship. Um, we're going to try to get that so that it's live to you. Uh, but we're still working at trying to get some of the te technological stuff uh, worked out. But if, you, if, if we are able to get it and, and we have all music, I'll announce that uh, our good friends Jason and Shauna Strickland are going to be with us. And they, they are also worship leaders. And so we will be just spending the entire time in worship and prayer and interceding for the nation. So... Um, yeah, just wanted to make that announcement. So blessings to you all, and uh, I will be seeing you again.